Have you tried my new favorite cocktail? Anytime Spritz is a new farm-to-can cocktail company that I've been drinking, well, anytime I want to drink. Their cocktails have a transparent ingredient list, and they're all farm-fresh products that I can pronounce and have in my kitchen, so I feel good about what alcohol I'm putting in my body. They use an organic vodka, because why aren't we all drinking organic alcohol, and 100% real fruits and herbs. I feel like there's a bartender in my house who just distilled fresh organic vodka and then picked fruit from a garden and made me a cocktail to go. If you want a cocktail that's flavorful, not too sweet, and fresh, try Anytime Spritz. Bring it to your next dinner party or for your next outdoor adventure. Find your closest store or order it online at www.anytimespritz.com. Okay, people were very upset about me bleeping out realization par. Yeah, you need to be honest with everyone. I will be honest with everyone. My shirt choice in the accessory last week is the Realization Par Kaya shirt in voodoo. <laughs> the voodoo in has voodoo. to be the worst part. And I have two things to say about Realization Par. The first is that it was kind of the first influencer brand yeah. that I can think of in a way where they were like, we are going to take every it girl and we are going to put them in this shirt and market it on Instagram. Yeah. Well, I also found this thing recently that could show you like the first 10 people who you ever followed on Instagram. And I was like, oh, obviously I have to do that. And the second person I ever followed was that girl, Alexandra Spencer, who, who started, started Realization Park. She just had like the most amazing photos and she would show fabric samples, yeah. which now feels like really pretty standard practice. But I followed her in 2014. No, so like 10 years ago, pretty, pretty groundbreaking. To be clear, I've had this shirt for like six years. Like this shirt has been with me through it. And you know, who do you think of as like the one face of Realization Par? What do you think? Well, okay, this is what I also think is interesting. In the beginning, Alexandra Spencer really made herself the face of it. She's so cute and like, you know, whatever. Makes complete sense. But now I'm like, they kind of lost me on the girls because I'm like, (laughs) there's too many. Okay, for me. And I don't understand who Devin Lee Carlson is. I don't know who she is. That's the face face of Realization Bar. It is Devin Lee Carlson, which I would say, I actually would love to shake her hand because she has done so much for smiling. Like she brought back smiling with your teeth (laughs) to like an it girl scene that was so smirky for so long. And she smiles with her full teeth in a way that I find so it's like so cute. It's like she has a secret. It's so cheeky. And okay, I've somebody... seen the phone case with her smile. So yeah, 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 yeah. She's done a lot for smiling and no one's talking about it. Anna, somebody who also has like 8 billion teeth and I like <laughs> to be smiling. I'm like, thank you, Devin Lee Carlson. Yeah, you're a smiler. I am a smiler. Yeah. Sorry, I can't help it. I'm so happy. No, that's it's good. It's cute. <laughs> the second thing I want to say about Realization Par is guess who taught me about it? <laughs> Is it me? Yeah. <laughs> I found realization part through you. Yeah. Well, I was, obs- I, I couldn't possibly shade you. I said, one, don't bleep it out because you have to own it. But two, uh, they make some good stuff. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not unbleepable. To be clear, I like just found it funny to be bleeping it out. <laughs> yeah. But you had that like tiger striped dress. I still have it. I yeah. can't get rid of it. It's amazing. It's so basic. I'm yeah. like, it's just a good piece. That's like, how I feel about realization yeah. part. It's like, it's so basic, but it's good. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Ruby Redstone. I'm a fashion historian, writer, and a former shoe designer, which I think is going to be relevant today. And I'm Natalie Brennan. I'm a podcast producer, a writer, and I spend a lot of time looking for shoes on the internet, which I also think will be relevant today. (laughs) Okay, I want to add that to my resume too. (laughs) And this is Covered, a show about our favorite moments in fashion history. This week, Claire McArdle's 1948 Ballet Flat. Okay, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say off-duty ballerina? You know, once upon a time, that phrase would have meant a lot to me. Yeah, correct. <laughs> but now it has lost all meaning. I feel like a little piece of your fashion history soul dies every time an article does like a ballet core trend cast. Yes. And you know what? I just feel like I need to clarify up top here. You know what off-duty ballerinas really wear? A bunch of weird shit, like weird sweatpants and like warm-up gear, which I love because it's like very specific technical gear, but an off-duty ballerina does not wear like a little wrap skirt and leg warmers. (laughs) Right. Like the better term for it, I think what people are trying to get at is ballerina who is walking around the town Mm -hmm, ballerina mm -hmm. who's going to lunch yeah semi in her uniform she's (laughs) not off duty she's on duty (laughs) in her work clothes but also I feel like the you know the corification of everything which we'll have to get into another time yeah when we really just mean ballet wear I don't know what the core is ballet wear that's where we're at yeah I will say I'm very pro ballet flat and ballet shoes are actually one of the oldest shoe styles in existence. It's kind of hard for me to even think about this as a trend because for the first half of human history, basically all shoes looked like flat slippers or sandals. Okay, wait. Are we ready to jump into the full history? Let's cover it. Time to cover up. Time to cover up. Ballet. More popular in Britain today than ever before is making graceful rings around other school lessons for thousands of our youngsters. Good morning, YouTube. Today I will be discussing the ballet core aesthetic and how to achieve it. Your shoes have to be very light and very soft, weighing only from five to nine ounces. Hello, people. Today I have an unboxing, and it's for these Rippetto shoes, ballerina flats. And the shoes which are supplied now to schoolgirl and ballerina alike are the same as those which were once made for the great Pavlova herself. The traditional ballet slipper hasn't really changed in more than a century. They may not last long, but they will be dancing the loveliest steps of all. The dances of the ballet. Okay, so are you telling me that the 17th century shorties were selling out the Sandy Liang ballet flats? Honestly, yes. I mean, we can link to a pair of Regency slippers in our uh, show notes, which, you know, they're from 1815 or so, but they look exactly like what we would call a ballet flat today. Regency slippers also have a super modern look in that they're just flats made from silk that have a higher vamp than a normal dance shoe would have. And a lot of them have ribbon ties or straps. And um, for the boys at home, can you describe what vamp means? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A vamp is the piece of a shoe that covers from your toes up to the top of your foot, wherever that tongue of the shoe stops. The height of the vamp determines how much toe cleavage you get in a shoe. Go on. (laughs) Um, Which I know that's a disgusting term, but it really is essential to nailing an elegant flat. Like Mm. you want to see just a little bit of toe cleavage. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) I know. I know. But it's important. No, thank you so much, my scholar. And even before 
we get into Regency slippers. In early Renaissance paintings, it's very well documented that people were wearing little flats. And even before that, shoes and socks were kind of one fused thing. But it's around the Renaissance that at least in Western societies, you start to see a differentiation between stockings and slippers as an expression of style. Mm. So you're getting a flat and a sock rather than just kind of like a one piece shoe. But at that point, like it wasn't a choice, right? Like that's kind of just what generally shoes were. Yeah, shoes are such a technical item that the history of their design is actually relatively limited compared to the rest of clothing and accessories. Also, shoes weren't always considered a necessity for dress. From ancient times through to the Middle Ages, you wouldn't necessarily be expected to wear shoes based on the type of community that you lived in. Often shoes would be reserved for soldiers who would have needed them for protection or for high status members of societies like priests who would wear shoes to demonstrate their rank as different from the people around them. Um, Also, because the process of creating a shoe with a sole is so involved, the majority of early shoes are essentially just a sock or a sandal or a slipper. So anyone who could have them was probably into their ballet flats. (laughs) then when would you say that the flat became like in vogue as an option? Like women were actively choosing to wear the ballet flat. So we, we have a long time between, <laughs> we're <gonna skip> between <laughs> yeah, jumping we're, through time and space. We have to jump through time and space pretty fast that's here. That's fine. I'm ready. Because we have our Regency slippers, but that's still, we're in the, we're in the real early days of fashion shoes still. I mean, by the 17 and 1800s, you, you have some really great shoe design, but I would say the first time you see a ballet slipper in terms of something taking actual inspiration from a ballet shoe is in the 1940s. So the groundbreaking designer Claire McArdle essentially made the first ballet flat that was meant to be worn on the street when she attached hard soles to a Capizio ballet slipper. She was one of the pioneering forces in creating American sportswear in the 1930s and 40s, and she made the ballet flat in 1948. So a lot of her work was centered around creating clothing that suited the needs of women who were out moving through the streets and working outside the home, which makes a dance shoe like kind of appropriate. Totally. I think it's eternally fascinating in that it's something made for living an active life, but it's still incredibly feminine, which are two of my favorite ways to dress. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's perfect. (laughs) Is it fair to say that if you picture the platonic ideal of a ballet flat, like the version that pops into your head when you're at home picturing this flat is that image of like a McArdle flat? Yeah, definitely. The fashion moment that I really want to talk about this week is this 1948 ad that Claire McArdle did right after she designed the ballet flats. And it's a really strong piece of fashion imagery. It kind of has an Irving Penn quality in that it's this very stylized, athletic photo of a woman in a strapless bathing suit with flats on. She's stretching her legs out and reading a magazine. And she's actually got a very contemporary hairstyle, just this up swept singular braid it's not an overly 40s you know curled hairdo would you say that she's off duty (laughs) she's an off-duty ballerina (laughs) no I would say she's off duty from everything because I don't really think this look would be appropriate for anywhere even the beach because by the 40s you'd still want a sandal at the beach but right but I like the flats (laughs) I'm like I'm wearing my flats to the beach so I love that she's a modern girl I'm not allowed to wear my flats to the beach anymore after ruining too many pairs (laughs) I know it is the thing about my flats that I need to take a little bit more 
care of, but they're my everyday shoe. And I've yeah. kind of just let go to be like, I wear them every day and I love that. And wear and tear is going to happen, but the beach should maybe be a boundary for me. That's what I had to just make the beach a boundary because it yeah. actually, it takes a toll on the shoes faster than anything else. I don't even mind wearing shoes in the rain, but once they get sand in them, it's, it's over. It's a quick downhill. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is just a really spectacular image. And then it also allows you to kind of see the utter perfection of a good ballet flat and that you can see the entire curvature of this model's foot while she's pointing her toes. The shoes do look super technical and that you can see her arch and her point, but they also have a teeny tiny bow right on the toe cleavage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, TC. Which makes you aware that they're a fashion item. They're not yeah. just a dance shoe because we've made that bow oversized. We've stiffened it so that it's not getting tied up and tucked away into a ballet shoe. And it just to me feels like this quintessential flat moment. And it's I, I'm super hesitant any time to use the word timeless because all I do is study clothes and how they relate to their time period. But it's almost a timeless image right? <laughs> in that it would look very fashionable today as yes. well. And then... Around the same time, Claire McCardigal is American, and around the same time, you get Rose Rapetto doing the same thing in France. She's making her own flats in her workshop in Paris in 1947, so she actually predates McCardle by one year. Oh. Did they know about each other? We don't know. <laughs> um, was it a battle? I don't think so. No. And McCardle was way more well-known for her clothing. Rose Rapetto only designed shoes for the most part. She makes some true dancewear as well, but we won't get into that here. <laughs> um, Rose Rapetto markets her shoes quite heavily and very successfully to a French audience. Her work ends up being worn by all sorts of celebrities, um, though I must say it's Audrey Hepburn who really helps trademark Rapetto's look. Um, Audrey Hepburn really annoys me, but she is a quintessential flats girl. I love when someone annoys you. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> what is it about her? I, one, it's just like people got too obsessed with her. You they know, got too obsessed. And she's obviously not a well woman. Right, right. right. Okay, <laughs> but, there's that. But it's like her annoying accent, and why does her accent change so much throughout her career? And I just... It's a show. It's giving it's, you a show. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, well, I hate to pit two flats against each other, but are you a McCardle or a Repetto girly? And what stylistically is the main difference between the two? Oh, I'm Repetto a thousand percent. I've been wearing the same Repetto shoes for almost six years now. White patent leather Mary Janes with a three centimeter heel. Um, if you remember last week's episode, they're in my uh, dystopian future one singular outfit, outfit. that I have to oh, wear every uniform. day. <laughs> yep. um, I even wore them on my wedding day. Icon. I just, you know, they're my favorite. You can't buy McCardle's designs today. She's long gone and so is her label. But she designed more of a naked looking flat that you would see from brands like The Row now. Okay. I personally prefer something that's a little bit more formal and just French. <laughs> totally. <laughs> also, Brigitte Bardot wore repettos all the time and basically I'll wear anything that she's worn. And I was just doing a bit of digging when I was thinking about this episode, and I found out that the amazing Repetto logo was designed by Leonor Fini, who's one of my favorite surrealist artists. She should be on another podcast of her own, probably not this one, but, <laughs> um, because she's one of very few female surreal artists who made it big. But anyway, it just feels meant to be. I'm a, I'm a Repetto girl for life. I'm actually newly a big flats girl, and um, this is partially because I did fall down a flight of stairs recently in my um, new chunky ass platform loafers. Um, 
it's so tragic. It's like, really it's not, it's not something to laugh about, but I'm glad that you have to. I have to. And I had just gotten these camper thumbs. I was so excited about them. And I was so ready to just become five six. Like there for a couple of days. My identity was now just being five six because I wouldn't take them off. But then God humbled me and brought me back down to five four and like that's totally fair feedback. I did <laughs> never fall down a flight of stairs before when I was 5'4". So for obvious reasons, including the eight stitches and a busted lip, uh, I am going flats mode. My hesitation with flats wasn't actually so much around like the height thing for me. It actually was that that I think that big band-aid is behind off-duty ballerina. Excuse me? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think that there is money happening between the Mary Jane Industrial Complex and Adhesive Corporation because before I discovered perfect little, like, um, half sock tights that you can't see. Petty socks. Correct. Petty socks. I used to walk around with, like, a full box of Band-Aids if I was wearing Mary Janes. What about with just regular socks? If I'm wearing socks, then obviously it's like totally fine. And I do love that white sock Mary Jane look, though sometimes I like have to actively look in the mirror and make sure I don't look like an oversized toddler. I think the whole coquette thing is cute to a point. And then other times I'm like, is this bad? I agree, but petty socks just really give me the heebie-jeebies, and I don't know why. It's so embarrassing, but my husband got a pair just the other day because his loafers were giving him blisters, and I was like, that's the most unattractive thing you could have done, (laughs) is wear that creepy little sock, and then he disposed of them. I'm like, no, the most unattractive thing you can do is just wear them around for blocks and blocks and be complaining about your blisters No, see, I'm so anti-comfort that I'm like... I don't know. I think that's part of my hatred of the petty sock. I'm like, you don't get that. You just have to suffer through it. No, not me. I'm a comfort (laughs) person through and through. And petty socks do exactly what I need them to do without anyone else having to know. And as a producer, I love that kind of behind the scenes work. (laughs) Okay, fair. It's in character for you. I love a white sock or any type of intentional looking sock Fair. with a Mary Jane. I think that's my part of my problem too is like sometimes those little socks just slip out and there's nothing worse than like catching that when someone thinks you haven't <laughs> right. seen it. That's true. Behind I think that's, yeah, I think that's the worst part. I do agree with you that the white sock and a flat can be very babyish and I've been actively trying to cut down on some of the baby elements in my own style now that I have a baby of my own. I just feel like that look isn't as cute or ironic once it becomes a matching mommy and me situation. (laughs) And maybe that's why I'm always a Mary Jane's girl, but I started favoring just regular non-strappy flats right after my first daughter was born. So I wonder, I wonder if that's connected. I mean, there was that period where we were all kind of dressing like a Victorian puff pastry or like, or like toddlers with an attitude problem. And I'm glad that for the most part, that phase is over. Yeah, I think that's always going to be a big part of my style just because of the things that I happen to be drawn to, but it got taken to a level that I don't think anyone could have predicted. Yes, and anytime like a trend is going to somehow be written about with some context within Lolita, like, I'm out. Oh, I wish I could say the same, (laughs) but I'm probably in. (laughs) I'm like, I can't do the analysis on like the nymph girl. I'm like, I want to be removed from all of it. Mm, I think I want to be thrown right in with that. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Okay. But if I'm trying to dodge that look, what are your best tips? I feel like the best way to make flats look 
current is to do them with a really long line pair of pants. I feel like seeing just a little bit of the flat peeking out of a puddling hem is actually something that's very unique to our moment in contemporary fashion, which is something that's becoming increasingly rare. And I really, really like that silhouette. Is the only difference between a flat and a Mary Jane the strap? Mary Janes actually don't need to be flat. I think the truest form of Mary Jane would actually have a low heel, but it's all in the strap. And also, like, who is Mary Jane? Oh, gosh. This is actually a passion project of mine because I'm obsessed with Mary Janes, and I wanted to write my dissertation about Mary Janes, but I ended up getting swept up in the 1930s. As one does. (laughs) Yes. And I'll come back to the Mary Janes someday, or I come back to them every day, but I'll come back to writing about them eventually. Um, Mary Janes are really special because they're one of the only shoe styles that begins as a children's shoe and then becomes popular with adults. Mm. Obviously, trends typically move the other way. Totally. It's pretty rare that children originate a trend, but very cool for them. (laughs) They were popular all over for children in the first half of the 1900s, but the name Mary Jane is actually unique to America. Um, It comes from the Buster Brown comic strips, which were one of the original children's comics in the U.S., Buster Brown himself wore what were once called Buster Browns, which are just like kind of classic little kids derby shoes. And his sister, Mary Jane, wore Mary Janes. No. Yeah. (laughs) That is adorable. Yes. So they existed before, but the name Mary Jane ended up getting swept up in the popularity of that comic. And I find it really cool that it stuck. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. I think like if you take one thing away from this episode, it is definitely that flats have been around forever and quite frequently come in and out of vogue. But They did pretty intensely pop back up again within the last few years, and I'm pretty curious what you attribute that to. Yeah, no, I was resistant to calling ballet flats a trend, but my 17-year-old cousins are wearing Rapetto flats and they still shop at Brandy Melville, so I think it's safe to say that we're firmly... Yeah, we're in trend territory. (laughs) Yep, yep. I think the popularity of flats right now is an extension of a much longer running line of shoe trends, which is generally an arc towards comfort. Mm. We've kind of been stuck on the fashion-y sneaker for like 10 years now. Yeah. And then we had fashion-y Birkenstocks and flip-flops and all that. And the ballet flat kind of feels like a natural evolution of an increased cultural favor for flat, easy to walk in shoes. Like we're winning, Miss yeah. Anti-Comfort. You're, you're, you're going downhill. The people are speaking. Well, I hate heels, so I'll, I'll, I'll be on You'll board when it that. comes yeah. to... <laughs> I'm really happy about it, honestly, yeah. in general. I think there's so much more that we could say here about changing attitudes towards femininity and how much you could measure changes in gender equality through shoe trends. But I'm also increasingly nervous that Balenciaga is just going to show some like nine inch <laughs> spike heels next season and that my theory is going to dissolve. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll mark this down as now. We won't hold you to it for forever. Exactly. Um, who besides Repetto is making some of your favorite current look? I'm wearing them right now. I discovered this Belgian brand called Lolo the Ballerina when I was in Copenhagen last summer because all the cute Danish girls had them and I'm obsessed. They make the perfect shape ballet flat, just the right amount of toe cleavage (laughs) (laughs) and they come in all kinds of really unusual colors. Ooh, what'd you go with? Let me see. Uh, It's called Spring Crocus, but it's just like a (laughs) kind of dusty lavender color. Porcelli is really good if you want something that's super traditional from the world of dance. And not to be such a fancy nancy, but Chanel really does the best flats. When the Nicole Saldana Fabianas came out, they had me in their adorable little chokehold. They are these sort of chunky black Mary Janes with a rounded toe, but then this very delicate bow ties right in the center of your midfoot. I don't know if that's in the toe cleavage region. 
No, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought they were just absolutely darling. But then I did see them on the street one time and I was instantly cured. Like they did not hit the same for me. There's nothing better than being cured of something like that. And that was huge for me actually because they are so expensive. I think generally I'm a pretty precise shopper. Like I'm only looking for exact items. But when it comes to flats, I've found for me, it's almost like the more random, the better. I love an alien-ass looking Mary Jane. I love a shoe that's both like a little bit grungy and yet still femme. And a weird Mary Jane, I just think, checks off so many of the different elements that I try and add into the equation of how I get dressed. Yeah, you introduced me to a whole world of weird fusion Mary Janes that I didn't even know existed. You sent me a perfectly weird one this <laughs> oh, morning. Yes. <laughs> Pop, I'm, I'm infiltrating your feed now. Yes. I'm usually, though, in a pair of not very alien uh, white Prada sport Mary Janes that I got off the real reel for a phenomenal price. Uh, but when I'm searching on Depop, I usually find a lot of Nike and Diesel flats that catch my eye that are just like styles I've never seen before that are, as we said before, like pretty sporty, but then also have this very delicate femme look. Old Diesel is so underrated. It's I, so good. I'm like scared to even bring it up. I my know, husband like, buys like tons of old Diesel stuff and it's... It's just like it's almost come to Garcon in the way it was so fusiony and weirdly experimental. It's perfect, and at least at the time of us recording this episode, <laughs> you can get them for really good prices. But we'll see how that goes after this. But my absolute dream shoe is this pair of Mew Mew Mary Janes with the jelly soles. They look like complete monsters. They're these brown patent leather shoes with a very visible green bubble sole and if I ever got my hands on them I would be like swapping them in for my dystopian uniform that we discussed last week on the accessory yes I'm searching for you I keep seeing the boots coming up but never the flats and I don't want the boot the boots are like oddly shaped yeah yeah there is a version that we've both actually stumbled on before that's not patent leather they're like a soft version of the Mary Janes that come both in like an orange and pink version yeah and then they do come in the same like green purple brown tone but once I saw the patent leather ones I need them yeah I don't know what year they're from I have to do a little I think bit it's of like 1999 which is as we wrong. know <laughs> right exactly where I like the money <laughs> but should we even get into Bloquette Oh my god. <laughs> Remember when I taught you Bloquette? Yeah, I, mean, I feel like you need to tell the people okay. what Bloquette is. I do actually think now that we should do an analysis on core and why there's yeah. this obsession around calling everything blank core. It feels yeah. like an identity politics that our generation's really obsessed with tying themselves to. Yes. With that being said, there are all of these very niche terms that describe different styles that pop up. They are so specific that sometimes when I'm writing my newsletter, my brother will literally text me and be like, I don't know any of the nouns that you're using, despite I think I do a very good job describing them. But when I did an analysis on Bloquette, I was like, there's a whole lot to get into because it's a portmanteau of two different trends. So we have bloke core as one half <laughs> no, of bloke that just sounds like filthy <laughs> filthier than toe cleavage and then we have coquette as the second half so bloke core is being used in men's fashion like in trendy men's wear 
terms right now to describe like the wearing of, let's say, like a European soccer jersey with jean sh- long jean shorts oh. that go down to like your legs that's bloke core it's like a, as if you're like appropriating english bloke men okay so maybe this is because i have spent more time in the uk, UK? recently than in the us i would call that lad core because at bloke i feel like we're going a little bit more gentlemanly but that you know i'm still, i'm still an american at heart so i don't know if i have that completely right and maybe the boys did not think that lad core had quite the same intensity so that's one half of bloquette bloquette and the second half is coquette which is uh you know coquette means girly girl in French, uh, which has, which is pretty tied to what we were talking about before, uh, kind of this more, it's less Victorian as just an obsession with girl culture. It's like very bubblegum pink, bows in the hair. Yeah. And this is really tied up in the ballet flat thing as well, because I did find it really funny when, when I first started seeing ballet flats popping up more and more that I think perhaps for a slightly younger audience, even than ourselves, there is a different association with flats and femininity again, that we're finding that they find that something that's a lot more fun to play with. Whereas for me, flats still felt like a necessity item, like something every woman has to have in their wardrobe, but literally seeing the frenzy of my 17 year old cousins who just went on a trip to Paris for the first time. And they were like, we bought all these ballet shoes. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know, (laughs) and they look cute, but it is like, it's cool to see that exciting someone else in a way that it does not ignite excitement in me. And I have to admit that it is even cheeky, even for me. Like I think that I wear my flats with an eye towards the cheekiness of playing into my femininity. I think it is something that, until recently, especially in the shoe department, I would always lean a little bit more bloke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like, I would lean more towards that half. And I, I have, I'm giving thanks to the trend of bringing some like cheeky femininity. But anyway, now we're like three trend waves in where now the girlies are combining the two together, calling them bloke and pairing that more sportswear with hyper femininity, which I'm super here for. It is, of course, like the play on words and all of that does feel super in-groupy and you have to know like three terms to even get to bloquette. Yes. When you wrote to me that you wanted to do a newsletter about bloquette shoes, I read it as blocket, and I thought you just <laughs> wanted flats with a block heel. And I was like, oh yeah, simple. Although those could be pretty bloquette <laughs> under the right circumstance. But I love any mix of hyperfem and a little bit of masculineness. So the, that's pretty much right up my alley but I will say it needs a little bit of creativity I'm seeing the same outfit over and over again and I am ready for that wave to pass a little bit yeah but in general I guess I mean you know I like the trend of the naked dress last week and even though I say I'm pretty anti-trend I like the <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face so I like the so <laughs> outfits as well too like I just it's something that's a little bit more fun than usual. It's not a, like, you know, a workout wear set or it's not a really spendy sweatsuit. Like I like seeing the the football jersey and long shorts and weird shoes. Like it's something that is kind of unpleasant to look at. And it's been a while since we've had trends that lean yeah. in that direction. So keep going for it. And you're known to rock a, a jersey every once in a oh, while. Oh, I love a jersey. Yeah. I was going to say, I think in that we don't actually have very similar style on the day to day, but I think the Venn diagram 
of where we match. Yeah, is liking really masculine and feminine things mixed in one one singular one outfit. outfit. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. As two professional internet searchers, we found some perfect flats just for you. We'll link them in our show notes. Before we head out, it's time for the accessory. Just like your favorite scrunchie or frilly sock, right before we leave, we'll be adding in one more thing, just for fun. Okay, I have a question for you today. Okay, have fun. I'm feeling so shoppy right now, but I'm not letting myself buy anything. So this week for the accessory, I'm wondering... If you didn't have to pay for it, what's the dream item you'd splurge on right now? Oh, okay. I love that, but I know you have yours ready. So while I think, I think you should go first. I think I have too many to list here, which is really depressing for me. No, I want them all. (laughs) But I have one wish that's quite specific to this episode. Those Aliyah Mary Janes with Diamante studs that I've been seeing on every single fashionable person I know. They came out last year and I found the shape of them really repulsive, but now the more I look at them, the more I want them, which I think says a lot, particularly in our photo heavy world, because normally I just need to see a few people wearing them and then feel over it. It's over, yeah. Yeah. But they're still over a thousand dollars in the sales. So it's, it's a no for me right now, (laughs) but that's perfect for this because you don't have to worry. You're just coming straight towards you. Wow. What Gabriel and I are saying now is I'm not ready to buy at that level at the moment (laughs) because it just sounds nicer than being like, I can't afford that. And those definitely can't come to the beach. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay. Now that you've said this, of course I have to also go with a studded pair of shoes that are way out of my buying range. I know what's coming here. You know what's coming. Everyone knows what's coming here. The Miriam Nasir Zade Kiki boots. Yesterday I wandered into the shop and I saw them on the display. They have not been back in stock for quite some time. And I looked at the girl who was working there and I was like, are these back in every size? And she was like, Yes. And I had to try them on. Uh, The MNZ Kiki boots are these like knee high boots that come in 8 billion colors, but I love the black patent leather. And then they're studded with these silver studs on the heel and outlining the shoe. Yeah, I've had some disagreements with people about what these studs are called. When I worked in shoe design, we called them cabochon studs. And a cabochon is like a French word for a jewel. So a cabochon stud can also mean a round jewel earring, like a stud earring. I don't know what else they're called, but there has to be another term. That was the industry term that I always used, but but I don't know. No, that's helpful. They are like a rounded stud. They're not like pokey. And also, if you Google Kiki boots, it is not the Marc Jacob (laughs) Kiki boots, which I I really hate. Okay, so I had such a crazy experience with those boots, actually, because I worked in shoe design at Marc Jacobs, and they designed those, I think, the year that I left. Super talented designer who I worked with. Unfortunately, that show was over, well, maybe not unfortunately, but it was overshadowed by a lot of controversy because it was the show where Mark chose to put all the models in um, dreadlock wigs. Oh, no. And so no one ever paid attention to the clothes. And I always felt sad for this. It was the first time the old designer had stepped down and this new shoe designer stepped up and made those boots and everything was just overshadowed by controversy. And they didn't even sell the shoes commercially because they couldn't produce them. They were, the original ones were made out of like, intarsia cut snakeskin and different leathers oh so wow. they're just like insanely beautiful and they would have cost like you know ten thousand bucks 
Well, let me tell you, they're clogging all my search results whenever I'm searching for Kiki boots. They're everywhere online. And now I find it so crazy that they've had this revival because it's like a really unwearable shoe, like like fundamentally unwearable. And I think it's a beautiful design, but I kind of it only makes sense as an editorial piece. So I'm like fascinated that people really like it's like a weird I don't know. Anyway, back to my (laughs) Kiki boots. (laughs) I did try them on in store, which was like so tempting like very torturing myself just to know what my size is my studded beloved boots are also over one thousand dollars now which is I've never even spent even half of that on a clothing item so like that is just way above what I can spend or am willing to spend on one single article of clothing yeah and so I sent my mom a text of them in it and she was like are those the infamous kiki boots and I was like yes but it's not even it's not even a thing we could go split wise on like that's still too much I need yeah, like your crowdfunding I know crowd everyone <laughs> I'm crowdfunding for kiki boots I need like I could pay a third what up mom <laughs> she pays a third maybe you combine like birthday Christmas no I need MNZ to come through I'm doing really good work out here promoting yeah. and if there's any MNZ girlies listening I'm a 37.5. <laughs> and they make half sizes, which is rare. They so make half you, sizes, you want which the 37 is and a half. Anyway, I decided I was going to get my sizing ready because as we know, I'm a big Depop eBay saved search girly. So what I'm hoping is now that they've restocked the boots, all the girlies can buy them wholesale and then someone will get sick of them hopefully soon and sell them to me on Depop. Yeah, exactly. That is my big love for the resale market. Like, It's the only way that high-end clothing has become accessible to me. And I do really love that. Like, that's a new recent wave. You don't even have to live in a major city to have access to that, which is awesome. Like, Depop is the continual sample sale. Thanks for listening to Covered. Covered is hosted by me, Ruby Redstone. And hosted and produced by me, Natalie Brennan. Our artwork is by Gabriel Summer. Our music is by Aidan Noel. You can find me on Instagram at Ruby Redstone, and my newsletter, Old Fashioned, is on Patreon. I'm New Balenciaga on Instagram, and my newsletter, ISO, is on Substack. All of our links are in the show notes. Okay, I think we're all covered. We're all covered. All covered. All covered.